0: Hey, Seasoned Athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 14 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from elite athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you would subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today in our main interview, I will be talking to 54-year-old multi-sport athlete Tammy Godin. But first, let's get to know this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete. The Everyday Seasoned Athlete segment is where we share firsthand stories from athletes who are over age 40 and represent a wide variety of backgrounds and athletic experience. My goal through the stories these athletes share in their own words is to inspire you to get out and try something new. This week, I'll be featuring another athlete I got to talk to at the Dodger Stadium Spartan race. This person is someone who I met at a recent Spartan SGX Level 2 certification class. And we finally got to meet in person at that race. Let's get to know Spartan race athlete and coach, Regan
1: Burns I'm Regan Burns 49 years old uh, veteran obstacle course and adventure racer and Spartan SGX level 2 coach at first I started doing obstacle and adventure racing because I was a long distance runner and I got extremely bored with that and I wasn't pushing myself uh, physically enough anymore and I felt that this started to become the ultimate workout for me whether it be three-mile Spartan to a 48-hour adventure race. This is where I felt I was actually in the discomfort zone. And I've always been of the mentality that if I don't feel some kind of discomfort, I'm not really getting anything out of it and then besides that uh i got two little kids at home that motivate me to to go further than i ever thought i could before so i think i always want to say the best is still ahead of me obviously so much emphasis is put on the obstacles and the strength conditioning for uh obstacle course racing especially spartans but The real dark horse is always the cardio and the running. I always tell people, that if you watch all the videos online, what you're gonna see posted over and over is somebody climbing a wall or somebody doing a hoist or somebody throwing a spear. And that's all great and it's a huge part of the race. But if you can't run at least 13 to 14 miles up a mountain, you're going to be in a world of hurt really early in this race so you cannot emphasize enough how important it is to get out there and put in the miles Uh, because it is the one true sport I think that's going to require every element of an athlete that you will be required to perform at. There's three things that I always tell my clients and the people that I coach and the first one is when you always think you only have one more left in you I know you have two so don't even give me a number. I always ask them if they got this. And I'm like, you already have this. You already are at the finish line. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take you to get there. Drop the pressure of time and who's in front of you and who's behind you. Just say, I got this, and I'll get there when I get there. And then finally, just believe in yourself. Um, So many people doubt. Doubt is the killer out there on the course. When you're climbing up that hill and that sandbag or the bucket's in your hands and you're like, I cannot go on, you have to never, never doubt that you can. I'm Regan Burns and I am a seasoned athlete.
0: If that just made you extra curious about obstacle racing, visit seasonedathlete.me and download my free beginner's guide to obstacle racing, a PDF chock full of tips and advice for first time and prospective obstacle racers. And if you'd like to be featured as an Everyday Seasoned Athlete in a future episode, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell me a little bit about yourself. And now it's time to meet this week's featured seasoned athlete, someone who has never met an adventure she didn't want to conquer. Let's get to know Tammy Godin. Hi, Tammy.
2: Hey, Robin. How you
0: doing? I'm great. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Yeah, looking forward to it, Robin. As am I. You are Tammy Godin of North Grafton, Massachusetts. Fitness has always been a part of your life, and for a while you enjoyed running when you could fit it in, but a devastating car accident in 2002 changed everything they told you that you may never run again you had other ideas since recovering from your accident you have run over 30 marathons over 30 ultra races five iron man triathlons and came in third for the u.s and ninth overall in your age group at the world's longest triathlon in holland you've completed adventure races mountain bike races death races and spartan races all by living by your motto i'll do these activities until i can't Is there anything vital personally, professionally or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, at the age of 50, uh, I was setting PRs and I felt like I was in the best shape of my life. You know, I was strong, fit, and I'm going to use your term of seasoned, right? Uh, you know being a seasoned athlete, I learned patience and recovery was really important. And I benefited from that in my race results that year. That's fantastic. I love it.
0: I love that, you know, 50 years old and you're feeling you're feeling is better than you ever have. Mm-hmm. So let's start from the beginning. What did your early athletic life look like? Did you play sports or were you active growing
2: up? You know, I started ballet at a really early age, and I did a lot of sports. I played hockey, basketball, softball, I I ran track, and I was one of those kids that was always outside playing in the woods, and my mother was always, you know, yelling and forcing me to come back into the house for dinner. And I'm fortunate to have three brothers, so I was always outside competing with them um, have real quick story about when I was in high school, my dad came to my first field hockey game ever. Uh, he worked two jobs. He was always busy, but I was so excited. My dad was finally going to see me play. And of course I gave it a hundred percent. And I remember getting home that night. I had made two goals. I had, you know, crushed everybody on the field. And my dad said to me, I can't come to another one of those games again. You're way too aggressive. He couldn't handle it. All right, mission accomplished. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Dad can't handle his his
2: baby girl being so aggressive. Right, Right, his ballerina. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's
0: quite quite a different path. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so how much running were you doing before the accident?
2: Yeah, you know, I was running, you know, two to three days a week, three, three to five miles. Um, I was teaching a lot of group exercise and doing a lot of personal training. So I was in the gym a lot inside, but I loved being outside. So I would get out there whenever I can. But it wasn't a, a focus because I didn't have as much time as I wanted during those years of my life. Um, because of everything else but I always enjoyed it. So
0: you were you were teaching fitness and keeping a really busy schedule doing that and so running was more if I have time I'll get out there and get outside but I I understand as a as a fitness professional myself how busy that can be and so you get it in while you can fit it in right? Exactly yeah. Yeah so let's talk about that accident that changed everything. Can you walk us through what happened?
2: Sure so April 18th, 2002, I took the day off from work and um, needed to study for some tests because I'd gone back to school as well. And to get my brain energized and going, I thought no better thing than to go out for a run. It was a beautiful day um, and I was going to go out for a few miles just to get the juices flowing. And I was almost home and a friend of mine had uh, pulled over up on, on the curb and on the side of the road. And I had walked over to, you know, have a conversation with her. And a car came by, l- literally hit her car, hit me. They were going about 40 miles an hour and threw me across the road. And I landed on my head. Oh. Um, I I woke up um, in, on a helicopter, and basically was like, "What? What? Where am I? What? I didn't know what hit, you know what hit me. What happened?" Um, and they basically just said, "You've got some broken bones. We're getting you to the hospital." And then I was kind of in and out for several days, as they, you know, um, I broke my my femur, um, fractured my back, uh, crushed my pelvis. So you know what, Robin? The the most devastating thing when I kind of came out of it all was I didn't have any front teeth. I had five teeth knocked out of my head from hitting the ground and I'm like oh god where are my teeth right Right. that was awful
0: like despite all the
2: broken bones it's like it's (laughs) it's
0: it's it's the vanity thing it's like what have you done to my face
2: (laughs) yeah and I I broke um, my uh, bone in my forehead so I had some plastic surgery there and lots of scrapes and cuts from the impact of hitting the tar so yeah, it was, you know, but I knew, I felt like Humpty Dumpty. I knew they could put me back together again. And uh, once they did that, you know, I was on my road to uh, to recovery. So the doctors told you that you wouldn't likely run again, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, obviously one of my first questions is, you know, I want to get back to group exercise. I want to start running. And they said, well, you know, you might run. You know a little bit, but you're probably going to have some pain. I had a, a titanium rod put in my um, my leg; it's still there, from my hip to my knee. It's kind of interesting. They just bang this titanium rod right through your bone. So really, my femur is stronger than it's ever been. Sure. And you know, I basically, you know, when he told me that, I said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to prove you wrong." And when I went back a year later to have some screws taken out because they were pressing against my IT band and causing some pain, I thanked him for doing such a good job with my surgery because I became a marathon runner. Do
0: you think? think that being in fitness and having a really strong understanding of your body helped focus you for your goal?
2: Oh my gosh. Yes. No doubt. No doubt. When you're aware of what you can do, really nobody should be able to tell you what you can do with your body. And
0: I think that's, yeah, I think that's really important because not everybody has the benefit of being in fitness. And if something like that happens, people might accept a doctor's news that I guess running's not for me anymore. And I think your story is important that, again, you should never have anyone tell you what you can and cannot do, right? Mm-hmm. So what was your first major goal post-accident and how and when did you end up achieving it?
2: Ah, uh, this is a fun one. So ex- exactly four months to the after my accident and two weeks being off crutches, um, my husband, Jeff, and I climbed my, Mount Albert in Colorado, which is the highest peak in Colorado. You know, and, and how I got there in those four months' time. You know, while I was on crutches, I was able to do a lot of water running. Um, I could ride a stationary bike without resistance, so I could just kind of sit there and get some a little bit of endurance, keep my legs moving, right, and getting that full extension. I was able to do some stretching. And I did the that arm pedaling machine for hours to build endurance and how boring was that. Um, and then I did my, my physical therapy faithfully. You know, I started lifting light weights when I could endure the pain. And, you know, that hike was really the catalyst because we did several other that while we were on vacation that weeks. I thought, hey, I can do this. I can do anything. And how high was that peak? Uh, it's 14,300 14, something feet. Uh, it took us about eight hours to, to accomplish that. Uh, that's awesome.
0: That was how long again after your accident?
2: Four, it was four months exactly to the four day. Months. Yep. So yeah, yeah. And we just celebrated the 15 year this year.
0: Congratulations. Yeah. So again, the doctor said you may never run again. So let's talk about the first marathon you completed after your accident.
2: Yeah. So right after Mount Albert, you know, we said, OK, so what's next? That's kind of the theme with Mike and Jeff and I, is, you know, what's next? And um, we decided, you know, OK, let's do a marathon. So Jeff was not a runner. He was a football player, hockey player, weight trainer. So this is going to be a challenge for him, too. So uh, it was fun to- training together and fortunately Jeff being an exercise physiologist he put together a sound training of which I followed to the T and uh, when I started running I had a pretty bad limp for quite a while and literally people would stop me on the side of the road and say oh did you get hurt do you need a ride?" Right? home so I think I looked kind of funny out there trying to you know Slug along, but uh, we flew out to California in April of 2003. uh, Literally a year later, and crushed our first marathon. And then Jeff signed me up for an Ironman without me even knowing it.
0: Because you know what's next, right? And how did you react to being signed up for a for an Ironman? Like that's your next thing is an Ironman, not just a triathlon, an
2: Ironman. You know, I was a little bit nervous about it, but he's always been such a supporter and believed in me and knows my my driven personality. He knew that I would eventually come around. So the very next day. I said, okay, this is going to be a lot of fun. Let's start training. So a little bit of hesitation, but then realizing, yeah, we can do this.
0: Yeah, and I like you. You have a strong partner in this. and I. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've talked to a few people on the show that have that, that they they compete with their spouses or their spouse is their coach or both. And I, I really love that. I think that's great uh, fitness goals. That's great athletic goals and it's great relationship goals because I think there's nothing that really bonds a partnership more than than doing these types of trials and events together so I love that you you have a partner that supports you that challenges you that pushes you that signs you up for Ironmans without telling you and (laughs) and you trust him you know you trust him it's like okay you believe I can do it then I'm gonna do it
2: yeah when when people see us running hundred mile uh, races together they always say wow you guys must have a really strong marriage I can't even imagine running 100 miles, because there's ups and downs, there's pains, there's times when you, you want to quit, you know, but uh, yeah, it is fun. Do you think the strength of your partnership
0: supports how well you race together? Or do you think the trials and tribulations of being out on a race together supports the strength of your partnership?
2: Or is it a little bit of both? I, I would say it's a little of both. It is fun to see, to suffer together, as crazy as that may sound. Um, when we get ready for our races, that is part of the enthusiasm. I'm like, I can't wait to get out there and suffer with you.
0: Aw, that's so sweet. <laughs> I'm working on getting my husband to that level. He does Spartan races with me, but he limits himself to the Spartan sprints, the short races. I have gotten him hmm. to do a super, and it was actually halfway through a super that he said, you know what, this is your thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's OK. It's good to know that, though. Right? That's
0: what I told him. I said, you know what? I yeah. respect that. And we'll keep doing sprints together. There and, you go. And we'll race the way we like to race. And I will suffer on my own out there on the beasts on the long races. It's a great way to learn about entrepreneurship, your limitations, you know, how far you can push each other. But I love that you two are willing to really push each other to the limits. Mm-hmm. So speaking of those limits, uh, as I mentioned in your introduction, you've run marathons, triathlons, ultra endurance, death races and Spartan race. Races. It seems like if it's outside and it's at or near nature, you're all for it. Is there a particular type of race that you like best?
2: Yeah, yeah. I love the trail races. You know, trail running is definitely my passion. I, I just love nature and what it may bring, right? The storms, the thunder, the lightning, the sun, the rain, the snow, the hail, you know, the sound of the leaves, uh, the occasional wild animal sighting, you know, and I can truly get lost out in the woods for hours. And I mean, in my head and physically, um, I do tend to get lost. I'm not a very good... um navigator.
0: So, so like the Barkley Marathons would be troublesome <gasps> for you?
2: No, no, no. Uh, that would be troublesome for me. Yes. I, I always say that, you know, having Jeff, Jeff's a great navigator. So I just follow him wherever he goes.
0: Yeah. And for those who aren't familiar, because uh, this podcast kind of, we, we cover all sorts of different types of events, but the Barclay Marathons is you, you basically can't bring any sort of navigation tools mm-hmm. You have to use a map before you go. And then you have to kind of have to f- navigate yourself. So people have been commonly known to not finish that race and get lost on that race. And there's a documentary on uh, Netflix called the Barkley Marathons. If people are interested, it's really fascinating. So yeah, (laughs) I, and I agree with you on, or I I connect with you on the whole choices and nature races. I, I tell people all the time, you know, when the thing I love about races out on trails is that when you're at that point where you're suffering the most, you can look up and just kind of soak in everything around you. And that's a great way to reset your Your mind and your body to keep going because it's just, you you can't deny the beauty of nature. Yeah, and so yes, nature can make you suffer, but then it also can astound you with the beauty, and so it's a great mental reset—at least for me. It sounds like that's similar for you too. Absolutely. So let's talk about the entirety of your race career. Can you take us back to your worst, hardest, or most difficult race that you ever did?
2: Uh, okay, yeah, this one's fun—the uh, Leadville 100. That was pretty tough, right? Uh, with with thirteen, that was my first hundred.
0: That's a hundred miler, right?
2: That's a hundred mile race in Leadville, Colorado, and it uh, gets you up to um, uh, almost 12,000 feet uh, up and over some crazy mountain paths, Um, and obviously you run through the night. Um, And with 13 miles to go and getting really close to not making the 30-hour cutoff, I got blisters all over both of my feet and they literally hurt so bad I was crying out loud when I would step on rocks and the shoes would kind of rub or, or you know move and, and it happened quite often obviously because I was on the trails so being my first 100 and you have to stay up all night running all night without sleep for 30 hours it, it's not easy right and oh, Jeff no. and I crossed the finish line with only 10 minutes to spare so there was that pressure of even though your feet are bleeding things hurt you're crying you're exhausted you got to run faster because you you've got to hit this cutoff. If you don't make it within 30 hours, the rifle, a gun goes off and they're like, nope. Sorry, you're not a qualified finisher. So we got there, 10 minutes to spare, and my feet were so bloody and cut up that I had to peel my socks off. I I couldn't wear shoes for days. They were so swollen and sensitive. But, you know, really, they kind of hurt a bit because it brought back all those the memories of the race and the accomplishment. So that was really tough. Um, But just real quickly, one other crazy race is the URA 100 that I have not completed yet. Three attempts. Um, that is another whole chapter of suffering, but I will continue to go back until i do
0: I love your determination and I love your commitment to suffering, which I think some people listening might not understand why someone would choose to suffer at that level that you ha- that you have to physically peel the socks off your feet and you have no skin and you can 't walk. <laughs> What's the appeal of that for you?
2: You know, I've I've often been asked, you know, why do you run 100 miles? Why would you put yourself through that? And, you know, one of the simple answers is, you know, because it feels so good when you stop. Um,
0: (laughs) The the sense of accomplishment when you're done with something that huge.
2: Yeah. And and it's honestly, Robin, it's the best shower you'll ever take in your life after a 100-mile race. It's the best piece of pizza you'll ever eat. Right? It's just you know, putting yourself through some things that are hard just makes you appreciate really simple things in life. And that's what
0: I like about it. I don't compete to that degree. I did my first Spartan Beast last year and it was Tahoe and it was 15 miles, which is the longest race I'd ever run. And it took me seven and a half hours, which is the longest time I've ever been on a course. And I nearly got hypothermia. And what you said about the shower and and Mm -hmm. the food and i think i ate at buffets for three days afterwards and so even i i think if you're listening and you think like i want to feel that feeling but not with 100 miles everybody's got that thing right everybody's got that race that's going to nearly break you and it doesn't have to be 100 miles but for you tammy clearly it does and uh but that feeling afterwards and that shower that you you know stand in that hot water for 20 minutes and it's just the greatest feeling and you never want to leave and that delicious beer, even if it's, you know, a light beer that you normally would never touch it. it it's really real. What you're saying is really real. So, and it just happens for people at different levels. So I, what you said really resonated with me. That feeling when you're done of, yeah. of just taking care of yourself afterwards and, you, you know, everybody just finds their thing. So from that race that just tore up your feet and from those races that... That you haven't yet finished. What's the what's the greatest thing you've learned from those experiences?
2: You know, I, I learned that I was stronger than I than I thought I was, right, and that I could do more than I thought I could do. You know, and and because that's the mantra that Ken Cobbler at the L- Leadville One Hundred says at the start. You know, you're stronger than you think you are and you can do more than you think you can do. And I put that in my head. I mean, you always have to have a mantra, right? When you're doing races, you have to have a positive thought continuously going through your head. As soon as something negative pops into your head, like, oh, my God, this hurts. I want to quit. I don't want to do this. What am I out here for? It happens, right? That's that's human. But you have to have that positive mantra to go back to. And, and that's it. Sometimes I change it up. But in reality, I think about how lucky I am, how fit I am, how strong I am. And you can truly do more than you think you can do, period. Yeah, I agree with that completely.
0: And I agree with having a mantra. And everybody's mantra is a little bit different. For me, for that Spartan race that, that nearly broke me, I ran with a friend and she and I had a mantra. And it it's kind of a silly mantra, but it's just best day ever. And that's what we would tell each other. Anytime things got bad, anytime the weather changed, anytime we started feeling awful, we would just turn to each other and say, best day ever. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, it's just the irony of that. And it would shift <laughs> our minds into just like, everything is silly. We volunteered for this. Let's keep going. So everybody's mantra is different, but I agree with you about the importance of having that, that saying or something that will snap your mind. Back to a focused place or a positive place, and your mantra is actually you know, my day might not have really been the best day ever, but the fact that you're saying you're stronger than you think you are, you can do more than you think you could that's all very, very true. And I see it every day, and I see it through the people I talk to on this show. So, those are really wise words, and I'm glad you shared them today. So, on the other side, can you tell me about your favorite race, your best experience, your top moment?
2: Oh, this is a tough one because there's, there's a few of them. But um, if you don't mind, I want to share two. Okay. Um, I love the WAPAC 50, uh, which is in uh, a trail run, and it's in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Uh, I've done that for like seven years in a row. I just enjoy that race. It's a tough race. They give you a 14-hour time limit to run the 50 miles. Sometimes it's rainy and me. It's an early May race, so it gives you a good baseline, early season, you know, see where you are fitness-wise, and it's a real small race with a bunch of regulars that are attending, right? It's just, it's just always a good time, great people. So I love that. It's local. It's low-key. And I've done fairly well at it some years, too. So I feel accomplished uh, early on in the season. And then my best race ever was the Vermont 100. And that was my in my age of 50, that 50 year that I had such a good year. I completed it in under 24 hours. And I literally did a negative split. I was faster the last 50 miles. Wow. Honestly, the, yeah, the stars just aligned that day. I felt amazing the entire race. I didn't have any pain. I didn't have any nausea. I didn't have any sleep monsters, what we call them when you're running out in the woods and all of a sudden you nod off, like you do when you're driving the car. It literally happens when you're running.
0: That's so bizarre for me. <laughs> I was actually, I recently talked to a triathlete that talked about nodding off on her bike, and it's like. I don't even understand how that happens, but I guess if you're just going for <laughs> so long. It
2: does. I, you know, I had a PR, and it was a you know 100-mile race, and I was first in my age group. Um, and then uh, you know I, I also, Grindstone 100 in Virginia, it was part of a Beast Series, is another one I paced first in my age group. And I completed uh, an entire Beast Series, which consisted of 350Ks, a uh, 50-miler, which is Mount Masochist, a 100-miler, and Hellgate 100 all in one year. Um, and, uh, I have a really cool bear, you know, brown bear beast trophy for completing that. And I was the oldest woman to complete it that year. So that was three, but I, I, I just couldn't narrow it down to one.
0: That's okay. And you know what? I, and I had a feeling you wouldn't be able to quite frankly, because I can just tell how you love doing what you do. And so people who love doing these types of things probably have a hard time narrowing down. So it was one top experience. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure when people talk to you about what you do, you get, you probably get a lot of responses that are something along the lines of, oh, I could never do what you do. Uh, What advice would you give to someone who told you something like that?
2: You know, if you want to do it, you can. It's really that simple. You know, you set your goals, put a plan in place and follow it. Just don't let yourself down. Tell yourself that you're a marathoner or a triathlete or a Spartan athlete and you will become it you know when I was when I was a kid I had a poster on my bedroom wall and it was of a ballerina doing a perfect back attitude and underneath it it said if you can imagine it you can achieve it if you can dream it you can become it and I woke up and read that poster every day. And it seems to have stuck with you. Yeah just
0: tell yourself you can do it. There's so much power in believing in what you can do and and conversely there's a lot of power in not believing that you can do something. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you tell yourself you cannot do something, you're not going to do it. And if you tell yourself you can, you're far more likely to do it. So I think those words, that if you can dream it, you can do it, if you believe you can, is true. So... I like that. Tell yourself you're a marathon runner. Tell yourself you're a Spartan athlete. Start saying these things to yourself and believe your words. And that's how you get to the point. And then pick something to start with and then see where it leads you. Right. So what types of unique challenges or perhaps even benefits do you find that you encounter as an older athlete training and competing at the level that you're at?
2: Hmm. Well, you know, there are challenges no matter what age you're at, right? You might not have enough time, you know, work commitments, family but Uh, If we think of it physically uh, as I age, one thing I do notice is my my flexibility requires a little more work these days. You know, those days of splits and grand jetés uh, from my ballet days are getting a little blurry. Um, So I do need to start being more committed to incorporating some of that, similar to yoga, right, Um, to make sure that I don't get injured. Right. Um, I do notice that I, I need to take a few more rest days than I did in the past, and I probably should have taken some rest day, more rest days back then. I, I think that uh, you know the, the the flexibility, resting a little bit more, being a little bit smarter um, with my training, I've had to be. Um, but the benefits of you know just a long list of the benefits. You know, the, you know, the more fit you are, the more fun you have. Is something that I say you know all the time. You know, I just go out and bike and run and ride with you know, people of all ages and all levels, you know, and I'm always ready to go for a run, a hike, a bike ride. And I want to continue to do that. And I have to be smart on how I train um, and be aware of my body. So um, you know, I- I'm fortunate that, believe it or not, You know, even after the accident, I I don't have any pain. I'm very, I don't get injured. I think I'm a smart athlete in that Jeff will say this to, to me and to a lot of people. One of the keys to my success as I've gotten older is that I've always been consistent, Robin. I've never been the person that's like, oh, I'm going to take the next six months off and just, I'll take a downtime, right? I, I won't train as hard, but I am always consistently doing something for my body to benefit.
0: And do you, do you always have a race on your calendar generally?
2: Um, yeah, I do. I, I set my goals every, every year. Um, you know, I sit down and I say, okay, well, I'll do in 2018, what are my key races, and, you know, write those goals down and I just march towards them, put a plan yeah. in place and go get it. And do you think that
0: always having a race on your calendar keeps you consistent or do you think you'd be consistent regardless?
2: No, I think it keeps me honest, honestly. I think, and that's part of the reason why I do it, right? I mean, we're all human. We can tend to get lazy. I could wake up, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning to get my workouts in early before I head off for work and it's not easy. I'm tired. Every, it's never, I never wake up going, yay, I'm not tired. This oh. is the day
0: it's dark yeah. outside and I'm so happy to be awake.
2: Right, right. So, you know, having that carrot dangled helps with that 4.30 a.m. alarm going off. Right. And I also know that, you know, I never regret exercising. Right. You never say, oh, God, I wish I didn't work out today. Yeah, I feel worse now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I find, you know, really that there's only 24 hours in a day for all of us. But by taking that hour or whatever it is I do to exercise, I get a lot more accomplished each and every day due to the energy exercise provides me. So I'm actually gaining more time in my day.
0: Yeah, because you gain productivity, you gain focus, you gain energy. Exactly. And I always encourage people when they have trouble fitting fitness into their lives or staying focused or staying committed, I actually encourage them, sign up for a race, sign up for something small, put that on your calendar. And because... I think it's so useful to stay committed if you have something very specific and measurable that you're training for, that it's like, I have X amount of days till this race and I want to be ready and I want to run it. So I think there is really something to having having some sort of competitive event or race on your calendar to train for, to keep you honest with your training. And I also really love that you know, you're, you're a high level athlete, you push yourself. And yet you're telling me that it's still hard to get up in the morning and work out. And I think Mm -hmm. people, I think people need to hear that. Because I think a lot of people assume that someone who competes at the level that you do is excited to get up at four in the morning. Because, you know, it's like people who run 100 milers are obviously crazy and obviously love working out, right? You're saying, you know, no, I'm tired. It's dark out and I'm groggy. But I always feel better when I'm done. And so I do it. And it's True. Mm -hmm. Right. So, aside from being an accomplished athlete, you enjoy hosting running clubs and group exercise classes at your workplace. Can you talk about why you enjoy doing that, along with some of the accomplishments you've seen from some of the coworkers that you've had in your groups?
2: Sure. So, you know, I'm a firm, firm believer in forming good relationships is critical, you know, to success both personally and professionally. Right. So, spending time with people you work with, doing physical activity, you know, getting outside of your comfort zone together is an amazing way to bond. Um, you know, and a lot of corporate America's work culture today revolves around food and alcohol, right? Let's go out, we'll have a drink after this meeting. And, you know, and when I attend our off-site company meetings, I lead an early morning run before our eight hours of sitting on our butts begins. And uh, a quick short story, it's a group of the sales guys, they work for a software company out for a quick run uh, early morning before our big sales meeting. And I said, it'll be about five miles, guys. You know, I got about six of these guys and well, it ended up being um, eight miles and, and most of the guys limped into the meeting that morning and told the CEO that it was my fault if they fell asleep halfway through. Well, what's interesting is it was just the opposite. Those that went out drinking the night before and slept in were the ones doing the nodding off in the chair, and those of us that went running were engaged, asked questions, and we were full of energy. So it is kind, of, and I loved watching it. I, in my own brain, was watching all of this happen. And uh, said, you know, gosh, it's just amazing to see the effect of exercise on people. Yeah, especially an event like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you should be there fully focused, right? Your CEOs yeah. up there, this is a big, big meeting, should be energized for it. I've been very fortunate that I've been able to coach colleagues to do Ironman, you know, marathons, Spartan races. And these are individuals that started off with very little background sports um, and, and they never thought they could do any of those things, right? I just kept telling them that they could, uh, just stay committed to yourself uh, and what you want to achieve. And, uh, you know, I just love watching them cross the finish line. It is really rewarding to see people accomplish
0: things that you know they can do, but they don't know that they can do. It's really, i I've. I've- been lucky enough to be able to do that, and it's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. So your motto, as you told me, is that you're going to do all of these activities until you can't. And it seems like you always have another adventure around the corner. So my question for you is, is there a sport or event that you have not tried that you have on your bucket list?
2: You know, I've been thinking about rock climbing um, because it's outside, right? It's typically in the mountains, and it requires a lot of strength. So it would be a, a different type of training for me, and I, I, I need... Personally, I I need to focus a little bit more on strength as I'm getting older, right? I have a lot of endurance. You know, as you age, obviously, you know, osteoporosis, your bone density, all of that. I need to be aware of that, and strength training helps with that. So if I come up with a sport that force me to do more of that. I think I'll be more dedicated to that. Um, And I also have a very dear friend who was an avid climber in his younger years that's offered to to take me and teach me. Um, And I'm also a little nervous of heights, believe it or not, even with all the hiking that I do. So I think it would be good for me to get out of my comfort zone and something like that. So yeah, I've been thinking a lot about, um, you know, just novice taking up rock climbing for the, um, you know, the strength benefit and the fun and
0: the fun. And it would play into other things like Spartan racing. I imagine that it would be really helpful for that too. Mm -hmm. So before we go, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I
2: would say never stop setting goals, you know, practice self-discipline and just tell yourself every day that you can I love that. And it's, it's,
0: you, you hit so many levels, setting goals, mantras, positive thinking, believing in yourself, all of that right there. So never stop setting goals and keep telling yourself that you can achieve it. I love that.
2: You know, the, the mental aspect is huge, right? One of the things with a running a hundred mile race is they say, you know, the first fifty miles you do with your legs, the second fifty miles you do with your mind. I've heard that. I've actually, I as you were saying that, I pointed
0: to my head. I'm like, second fifty miles, mind. So, Tammy, thank you so much for being on the Seasoned Athlete today. Your story, perseverance, of determination, of positive mindset, of never stopping in pushing yourself, never finding limits for yourself is an inspiration for anyone listening. Keep following those adventures and keep going until you can't, which is hopefully never.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much, Robin. I really enjoyed it.
0: Alright, seasoned athletes, before we go, here are my top three takeaways from Tammy Godin. Number one, it can be really great to have a strong race partner. For Tammy, it's her husband Jeff who races with her, supports her, and sometimes even pushes her to challenges she didn't know she could do. Whether it's a spouse, a partner, or a best friend, it's always great to have someone by your side and pushing you forward towards your goals. Number two, when racing, it's always important to keep a positive thought in your head. Come up with a mantra that you can say when things start getting really tough, something that will help get your mind back into a positive place. For Tammy, she reminds herself that she's stronger than she thinks she is and can do more than she thinks she can do. For me, it's humor, telling myself that I'm having the best day ever, no matter how bad things get. Find a mantra that fits you and use it. And finally, stay consistent with your fitness, no matter what. Even if you're not a high-level competitor like Tammy, when you stay consistent with a regular fitness routine, everything gets easier, especially as you get older. Thanks again to Tammy Godin. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. All right, friends, I have a really big favor to ask. I need your help to get the word out about seasoned Athlete. How can you do that? It's really easy. Just share. Share it with your friends, your family, your network, or anyone you think might benefit from the stories told by the incredible athletes featured on this show. Send out an email, share on social media, or sing our praises from the mountaintops. The more you talk about seasoned athlete, the more people we can reach, inspire, and motivate through this show. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for your help. And while you're at it, follow us on social Seasoned Athlete Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com and tell us all about them. Or if it's you, tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so can.